You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Code of conduct. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. God made me punch in the accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble. Nah. What I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. You I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell. Even yeah. if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like Mansa Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king Heavy is the head that wears the crown I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast I am your host, Jay Spence the King And damn it, I'm in Buffalo, New York Let me tell y'all, this is the first time I've been able to record the Code of Conduct in Buffalo, New York That's wild to me, but this is, this is, damn it, we here we're here. The season opener is coming. We're a few days away. We're going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the show, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on them, but I'm not, too, I'm not too worried. They got a real young offensive line. Uh, collectively, those guys haven't played together. Really, for their careers in general, they haven't played together a lot. They don't have a ton of snaps. Uh, so there's a show-improve situation going on in, in Pittsburgh as far as their offensive line. We got to see what Ben has. If he's healthy, we got to see what these wide receivers do. I'm not a fan of Juju, you know, the TikTok thing, got to be done with it. But I'm not going to go too far in that. Right now, I'm excited. I have a good show tonight. I got a couple guests, actually three guests. Um, so with SB Nation, the good thing about SB Nation is that we kind of have a, it's an umbrella for the entire NFL and also other sports too. But for the NFL, our podcast community and our journalism community is like, it's second to none in my opinion. And so what I'm going to do is I have guys joining me from each part of the AFC East um, as far as under the SB Nation umbrella. And we're going to have a divisional, I call this show the divisional code, because we're going to just kind of crack the code. And everybody's just going to tell you that the Bills going to win a division. I mean, that's what's going to happen. But we're going we're gonna to find out uh, what Thomas thinks that the Jets have to do in order to be a good team this year. Um, what do they have to improve on to not be, you know, I, I don't want to make fun of those guys yet. That's come, I'm going to talk mess later on. But they were at the bottom of the division. Um, 
The Patriots, Cam is gone. We're going to talk about that. Y'all know Cam is my dude that broke my heart in a real special way. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that to Mr. Pat. My man Pat out in uh, New England territory is going to talk to us. And then I got Kevin. My man, listen, I'm excited about having the Finsiders on. I've actually been trying to reach out to these guys for some time. So my man Kevin is going to join me. He's going to talk a little bit about Tua. I got him on my fantasy team. So I need Tua to, to take, a, take a step forward. Not too much, though. He can't do uh, he can't do that Josh Allen thing. So I'm going to bring my guys in. I got my man Thomas joining me, uh, representing the New York Jets. Why don't you uh, real quick introduce yourself, tell everybody what network or what part of the network you're, you're representing here, and, and we'll get it going. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, my name is Thomas Christopher. I work at Gang Green Nation representing the New York Jets. Gang Green. Gang Green. Let's get it. All day, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So real quick, I got my man Pat coming in from the New England area, the, a return guest on the Code of Conduct. What's up, Pat? Yes, sir. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good to see you, man. I'm glad that, that you could make it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Pat's pulpit over here, you know, long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I can't, I honestly, we've won the division so many times I've lost count to be honest with you. So, oh, so you're going to start you know. off talking to crap. Okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you. Don't you worry. Cause y'all got a rookie coming out. So I'm going to talk about that. We're going to yep. go there. And then last, but certainly, certainly not least, he's somebody, like I said, I've been trying to uh, reach out to and get in touch with for a little bit of time here. And we finally were able to make it happen for the divisional code. My, my, listen, if you don't know who Kevin is, I need y'all to go on Twitter. Go just just follow the Finsider and and just look at that content. Go read the stuff that this man writes. Go go just pay attention to his to his content. How's it going today, Kev? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad we could finally make this happen. Yeah, yeah. So uh listen, how how this is gonna work, we're gonna basically give each member of this um this platform, we're gonna give them the platform for 10 to 15 minutes or so. And what we're going to do is we're each going to be asking questions, but one team will be on the hot seat. Um, and the order I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in the order of, you know, you know, you know, the, the worst to the best. So I'm going to go last because obviously that's what happens. And uh, we're going to start off with Thomas. And uh, last year, the New York, the, the New Jersey football Jets didn't seem to do well. Well done. Uh, you, you got, thank you. I, I was practicing that when I was waiting for it. Uh, yeah, I didn't really do well. Uh, what What is it first? How did you feel about the draft? How did you feel about the offseason, the moves made? Um, do you think this year going into the season, we're in a better position as the as the Jets than you were last year? Well, to start off the offseason, I thought we were going to be in a good footing, right? And then, you know, practice started coming down and Carl Lawson got hurt. Then Gerard Davis got hurt. And then we lost Vinny Curry, who ended up getting a blood disorder. So right off the bat, all of our major uh, defensive acquisitions went down due to an injury or some type of related ailment. So that that kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. I am excited for Corey Davis. I think he's going to be a huge safety valve for Zach Wilson. And I kind of like the, the direction that Joe Douglas is going in. He's only been in office now, I mean, really for two years. Uh, when he first came in, he didn't even get to make the draft and free agent moves uh, his first season. Um, but already he has more players on the Jets roster than Mike McCagnan's players. And that's that's kind of a, a shift in the tide of what he wants to do with the Jets. So I'm, I'm hoping that he can do the right thing going forward. Yeah. OK, well, I mean, so you, you already talked about your rookie quarterback here and I know everybody is excited about him. No, and I'm, I'm not I'm not even going to joke about him at first. I'm going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm away. But everybody is excited about him. And um, I've seen a couple of things. And you mentioned you mentioned your wide receiver, Corey Davis. Look, in the preseason, he shows some things. 
so the offense, you know, you moved on from Sam Darnold, who I was actually, I'm actually a supporter of Sam. It's a weird thing. I, I'm, I don't like the AFC East teams other than the Bills, but I'm honest enough to be able to say, hey, this guy has this or this guy has that and whatever. And what I saw from Sam Darnold coming out of the draft, the kid was accurate. I mean, deadly accurate. He had a sharp arm. He looked, he looked good. What happened? Y'all got rid of him. Adam Gase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quarterback runner. Kevin's like, Kevin's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, yeah. That, that's kind of the truth, though, ain't it? You know? All we need is for, we just need Gase to go to Buffalo. That's all. He's ruined two AFC East teams. No, no, no. We don't want Buffalo. Nice. No, no he, likes, he likes rookies. So I think, uh, mm. let's see, which, which no, no, team no. is the rookie? Keep him away from here, please. <laughs> yeah, let's send him back to let's send him, Matter of fact, you know, I'm tired of Bill Belichick anyway. Let's go ahead and send yeah. him to New England and let's just get Gates back in the division. So, but Pat, why don't you, why don't you, uh, you got anything for Thomas here as far as the Jets or, you know, your, yeah, D- I tell you what, I love Davis. I mean, I was stupid. Tennessee actually threw the ball to him last year, and he was like the under the radar free agent guy. I was like, you know, this guy's so good, and they yeah. just never threw to him. So I'm like, oh, he's gonna get, you know, he's gonna have another year where he does nothing, and then he's gonna get a small little contract with the Patriots and be great. And then he, you know, goes out and catches 90 passes or whatever last year and gets a big <laughs> contract from the Jets. So I think it was a great move. I loved Elijah Moore coming out. So I think defensively is what I'm curious about. I just wonder what what your expectations are of that defense because, you know, Harvey Lange, who was like the 53rd guy on our roster, was like your starting middle linebacker last year. So, uh, you know, I, I, obviously some improvements over there, but, like, what what are your expectations for the Jets' defense? Uh, to be frank, it's not good. I know that Robert Sala is, you know, kind of a defensive guru, but he's working with – it's patchwork. Um, we just got rid of our most NFL-experienced player in Blesson, Austin. And now we have Bryce Hall stepping in and he's in his second year in the NFL and he's already our veteran cornerback. I think we have the youngest cornerback group in the NFL in the past at least two decades. So it's not voting well for the Jets. Uh, and then on the defensive line, we lost those two main pieces in Carl Lawson and when Vinnie Curry, who was going to be a good situational pass guy. But we got Shaq Lawson, who is also a decent situational pass guy. And I'm really high on Quinnen Williams and uh, John Franklin Myers. I think that they're going to do well. I think that Bryce Huff is going to step up in Carl Lawson's shoes and also perform well. But then after that, when I hit the linebackers too, that's when I get more worried. Um, We got two rookies that right now are penciled in in the two starting linebacker spots, along with C.J. Mosley, who hasn't played in two years, essentially. So I think it's going to be a brutal run. If Robert Sala can somehow make this team a top 25 unit, I'll be, I'll be ecstatic. Wow. So, um, and I know I told you guys at the end of the show, we're going to do like, you know, a quick prediction on, on the records and who's going to win the division, but it doesn't sound like you're too um, confident this season that the Jets have made an improvement enough to, to really contend for the title. What do you, I mean, is that what I'm, am I picking that up properly? Yeah, I think they're going to win. My most for them right now is at six wins, and I think that's being a little generous. Uh, I'm, I'm expect you know, you don't go two and 14 one year and then expect, you know, to hit the playoffs the next year, especially with a new coach and more rookies. It's going to be a growing process, and I just want to – this is the year I want to see the rookies develop and the team develop as a whole. Kev, you got anything for Thomas? I'll say first off, I've been a team that went from 1-15 and 15 to 11-5, and five, so yeah. it can happen. Right. But no, I, I mean, 
the 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 defense was uh, was what I was going to go to as well. I just it's been a lot of focus on the offense and uh, rookies coming in and that team trying to reload, but the defense just seems to get overshadowed. But since you talked that already, I'll I'll turn to um, Dolphins have traditionally had a history of not being able to guard tight ends. We've seen it way too often with, I mean, obviously Gronk, um, we've seen it across the board. Uh, Eric Rowe got a little bit better last year. It, it, he, he had times where it was bad, but he had times where it looked really good. But what, what do you expect out of the tight ends? Cause obviously a young quarterback is going to be looking for those short guys, those big guys that he can get the ball to. What do you expect out of the tight ends for the jets? Well, that was another group that the team just kind of, you know, X'd off. And Chris Herndon is now a Viking. And so we got Tyler Croft, who was the off-injured Cincinnati Bengal. And he, she's shown a really good connection with uh, Zach Wilson. It was kind of surprising. Then we got Ryan Griffin uh, backing him up. Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, that's, that's like the big question mark is how that tight end group is going to perform. Uh, Trevin Wesco is our, basically our H back. He's done good as a fullback and an inline tight end. I think he's going to be utilized kind of like you uh, chef was in, uh, uh, in the 49ers. You uh, uh, check. I, I, I'm horrible at pronouncing his name, uh, <laughs> but I think that's going to be kind of how Wesco's used uh, as for Croft. I'm hoping he develops into a good possession uh, red zone threat, but, I have my doubts if he can be healthy enough to do that for a prolonged now 17 game season. Yeah. Tyler Croft is awesome. And in Buffalo, we loved him, you know, while he was there, he's a a great part of the community. Great guy, but your concern, uh, you know, is valid. And I know, I know he took it tough because, you know, his, he and his wife were on Twitter and they kind of made it known, like, you know, we're just as good at the health and whatever. But the fact is the best ability is availability and he just mm-hmm. has not been there. So regardless of how good his hands is, because trust me, Bill's fans are tired of watching Dawson Knox drop the damn ball. Like it's, it's like he makes the most phenomenal catches. Like he'll be draped, like four guys will be draped on him and he'll make a one handed catch like this. And then he runs over eight guys and it's like, yes. Then the very next play, he's wide open, and Josh Allen throws it to him on the doggone like just he's just wide open, and it's nothing but field in front of him, and then he drops it. Yep. We would have loved if Tyler Croft could have worked out here, um, but yeah, it, it, you got to be available, man. You got to be available. So uh, let's let's move a little bit um, further northeast right now in the AFC East, and, and let's go up to New England. Me. Yeah, because I mean, well, <laughs> no, 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 no. before we go, before we go to New England, man, how does it feel to, to actually like claim a team that's not actually in your state? I just want to know. <sighs> oh, man, it's uh, I get made fun. Of. I used to I lived in Texas for a bit, too, and they saw the had. Like, hey, the they, bills they, may be living in Texas soon. So, yeah, no. oh, foreshadow, man. Yeah, no, it's, like, already, hey. it's already done. Like y'all ain't even from New York. <laughs> y'all ain't even in New York. It's New Jersey. I'm like, I'm just tucking my head down and just walking. You know, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I just, you know what? At times, because obviously the Bills still have no Super Bowls to our history. So like for for years, we've like always been the butt of everybody's, and we still are to a certain extent. But now the team appears to be good. So like people tread softly with how they talk crap. But, dude, that was the, for the Jets. Like, that was really the only thing that I felt comfortable enough to be like, man, y'all don't even – because y'all, y'all don't even in New York. You know, claiming yeah, that, the state that y'all with. That's why we're dreading for y'all to win that one ring so then y'all can have every – you got <laughs> oh, the New York in the ring. Oh, it's over. It's over, man. If, don't let you – don't you let us get a ring. I'm telling y'all now. I said at the beginning – 
it was in like June and I, I went on and I'm like, look, I've been humble because the Bills haven't really won anything. I said, but I promise you the day the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> I'm going to be insufferable. I promise. I promise. But yo, let's, let's switch over to Pat and uh, the Pat's pulpit or pulpit. Am, am I saying it wrong? Yeah. Pat's pulpit. You got it. Okay. Okay. Um, now the Patriots let go of my guy. We got to start here. Cause yep. I'm a, I'm a cam fan. Like, um, Bill Bill's fans got on me last year because I actually updated my profile picture to me in a Cam Newton jersey. Like it was that's how much I love Cam. I've been riding yeah. with him since you know since college. Like before Auburn, he wasn't even starting, and I was like, I want to see that guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a Cam fan. Mm-hmm. Um, last season his shoulder his shoulder didn't look like it was completely healed. First couple of weeks he looked good to me. He looked really good to me up until like you know the Seattle game. He he played very well. Yep. And then he caught COVID. He contracted the virus, and then it seemed like he was fuzzy. Would you? Would you? Um, what do you contribute to his demise as the starter, and really to his his role on the team at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it's so hard because that's that's been the thing, right? He got COVID, and then, but like he attempted thirty two passes, or he attempted forty something passes against uh, against Seattle. He had a great game against Seattle. The other two games that he played before he got COVID. He had 19 attempts and 17 attempts. So he really didn't throw the ball very much before he got COVID. He obviously had the one game against the worst passing defense maybe anyone's ever seen in Seattle last year. And then, you know, two games where he was great running the ball, but really wasn't super effective throwing the ball because he didn't have to. He just didn't throw it either game. And so, you know, and then when he came back, obviously, we know what happened there. He looked awful last year. And and whether it was the shoulder, whether it was the footwork, whatever it was, it just didn't click. And, you know, it's funny because as a guy who really never really truly followed Cam, you know, I was talking to my friends about it. And I'm like, you know, all right, he's gonna probably going to come in. Like, he's this, like, diva kind of showboat guy, like, you know, all about himself. Like, but he'll be, he'll be good in the field. And it was the exact opposite. He was the most professional guy. I mean, he ate a pile of shit from the New England media for like 18 months and never made one excuse, never complained about it ever, never pointed a finger at anybody else, always took the blame and pushed off the praise to other people. Like, was the exact exact thing you want out of a professional player and certainly at the quarterback position. He just never could put it together on the field. And so... You kind of saw that same thing happening in training camp where he looked better, but it was still kind of like those, he just, he wasn't quick on his reads and he wasn't making the throws. And it was always, to me, when he had to throw it deep and everything was in line and he set his feet and he took the crow hop and he, bam, it looked good. Anything that was short to intermediate that like 15 yards and in looked bad because the feet weren't set or the shoulder wasn't ready or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, once Mac started looking good and, you know, understood the playbook and understood how to read a defense and make checks of the line and was comfortable doing those things, I think Bill just said, you know what, like it's best to move on because we're in the situation where we don't know if we can last again with Cam and we have a good enough team around it. We could win double digit games and we're just not comfortable with him running our offense. And so, I think that's where they made the move. But again, like anybody, and I saw people after like bad mouth and cam. I'm like, no, you can't, you can't like, he gave you everything you could possibly ask for out of a player other than the wins. And realistically, 
they were an inch away in Seattle from winning a game. They were a fumble away in in De- uh, Buffalo from winning a game. And they were Brian Hoyer taking two stupid sacks in Kansas City away from winning that game. So they went seven and nine. They almost went ten and six. Right. So it's like, you know, those things go your way. And all of a sudden, you know, you go 10 and six instead of seven and nine. And, you know, all of a sudden we're not talking about Cam Newton as a terrible quarterback anymore. So um, and and again, don't even factor in the professionalism off the field like the guy just the guy deserved it. You know, the guy deserves the credit for what he was able to do. And so uh, although I'm happy that we're moving on to Mac, I think Mac will give them a better chance to be like successful as a quarterback. I have zero bad words to say about Cam Newton because the guy was an absolute pro when he was here. What do you think his role in, what do you think his role in the league is now? Is he that guy that's just going to float until somebody's injured? Is he going to be a backup somewhere or do you think he's just done? Yeah. See, I don't know. That's really up to him. It's, it's really going to be his call. I mean, Mac has, has come out and said multiple times, like he still talks to Cam. He hopes to have a relationship with him. He was a great mentor for him. He said like, I think he could be a great guy to be a backup in a room that has a set quarterback. Like Baltimore would be a great spot. Arizona would be a great spot. Like guys that have guys that have the locker room already, like it's Kyler's team in in Arizona, but like to bring in someone like Cam to kind of help out mentor the kid as he goes through, like that could be beneficial for him. You know, I even thought like, if San Fran let Jimmy G go, that yeah. would be a great spot for him to kind of be behind Trey Lance and let Lance learn from him because Lance is that same type of quarterback. Um, it's just going to depend on whether he wants to do that role, right? Does, is he willing to accept the the backup role, which I think he might, but he's Cam Newton. He's never been a backup in his life, right? So, yeah. like, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to make that transition if he wants to. But I think a team, you'd be dumb not to look at him uh, you know, if he was willing to take that backup role. Well, that's the thing. I don't think, and obviously I don't know Cam personally like that to know his mindset, but um, just based off of the, what we've seen over the years, like he's not just accepting a backup, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why he was cut. I, I, I think his salary wasn't ridiculous. He came right. back on a very, very low deal. And so it was one of those things where it's like, I feel like Bill Belichick almost like was doing him a favor in a way. Like, look, I'll, I'll go ahead and release you. If you can find a startup position out there, go do it, man. Right. Like, you know, go find a backup if you can't find one. But I'm giving you the opportunity to go and do that as opposed to making you uh, sit behind Mac. And, you know, I appreciate what you said about Cam, because like I said, that's part of the reason why even I even took the, the talk in Buffalo um, by wearing a Cam jersey, because it's like, look, he takes and not just in New England, but he really took it hard when he came to New England. Uh, but right. even in Carolina, like he took it. You know, after the Super Bowl loss, they called him the biggest loser. But he's like literally sitting in a room where the other team is celebrating and they're asking him questions about the game. Don't nobody want to do that, you know, or just a lot of things where he gets a bad rep. He gets bad credit for, you know, for somebody who he's completely not, you know. So, yeah, no, I I, as a Cam fan, I appreciate you saying that. Thomas, you got anything for Pat? Uh, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of John Smith. How? And I've seen that you guys have started to incorporate him at the tailback position and utilizing him in a lot of ways for his yard after catch ability. Uh, how do you think he does? Do you think he ends up being the tight end one in New England? Or do you think it's more of a 50-50 split with Hunter Henry? Uh, that's a great question. I did want to go back to Spence just for one second because there was something that one of the guys on Pat's Pulpit said about um, about Cam getting released was that it's a kind of a burn the boats moment, which goes back to Cortez way back in the 1500s. But basically... We're rolling with Mac no matter what, right? There is no question here, right? So, anyways, I just thought that phrase was cool. Johnu, 
tight end one. Like, bro, that guy, it's good. I am so excited to see him because even in Tennessee, he moved all around the field. He was in the backfield. He was running, you know, jet sweeps. He was doing, you know, short crossers, but then he has the ability with the ball in his hands to make people miss. And he's got the speed to get downfield. So I'm very excited about Johnny Smith. He, to me, is kind of the, I think him and Jacoby Myers in the passing game are kind of the key pieces to the offense. And then you're going to see Hunter Henry run kind of that Gronk style. So it's almost like Gronk and the and he who shall not be named, um, you know, kind of back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, where like, you know, it's, it's that, that quick stuff in the backfield wing, all this other stuff. And then you run the the play action with the seam coming down the middle and then boom, there's Hunter Henry down the seam. So I think that's what you're going to see more, but I am so excited for John this year because he's just going to be everywhere all over the field. So that's, I think he's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm going to be terrified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause again, okay. we guard tight, we guard tight ends so well. So that <laughs> feeling great for week one. Right. You know what? Buffalo has had issues guarding tight ends or covering tight ends as well recently. You know, dude, down there, Gasecki kills us. Yeah. He kills us. And um, obviously, I think when Gronk was there, Gronk was killing everybody in the AFC East. So, like, it didn't matter what team. I mean, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it was just different. But, but no, we, we've, we had those struggles recently as well. So I, I feel like even with Matt Milano, he's one of the best cover t- uh, linebackers in the league. We still were giving up some big plays to tight ends. So hopefully that's something that's corrected. But but yeah, no tight ends, man. I'm I'm nervous about about the two tight ends set. I'm not, you know, I, I can't lie. It's 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 not fun to watch as a yeah. Bears fan. Yeah. So tell, talk to me. I know we just talked about Cam, and we're talking about like the the burning of the boat. You said, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so talk to me about Mac. I know everybody in the comments. We got a lot of a lot of Bills fans in here, but um, the thing is, he's a rookie. We got to see a little bit of him in preseason, but you know, we don't get to see him. Uh, right. What can we expect out of this rookie in the AFC East? So it's not, he's not Justin Fields. He's not Trey Lance. He's not even Joe Burrow. Like he's not, he's not going to wow you with his athleticism or his crazy arm, but it's his mind that has really been on display early. And, and it's not just his mind. It's his ability to, to make mistakes and then learn from them immediately. And so like the first full pads day of practice, I think it was August 1st. And I went to that practice and I walked out of there saying, Jesus Christ, Mac has, he's just not ready. He's just, he's just not ready for the speed of the NFL game. The pads are on. He's just not there. Wednesday and Thursday were his two best days of practice. Like he comes back from making those mistakes and doesn't make the same mistake over and over again. And, you know, Belichick calls them error repeaters. He's not, he makes a mistake and he learns from it and doesn't make it again. And like, that's the type of thing that he's good at. He's also, and he showed this in, in, um, in college and he's done it well so far in the preseason and in training camp, but his ability to move around the pocket without escaping the pocket necessarily, but his ability to just shift and shimmy a little bit to avoid pressure is Brady esque. Now, I mean, come on, not like this Brady, but like, you know, Oh one, Oh two, Oh three Brady, where he was just kind of learning the offense and stuff. That's what we're looking for in new England. Right. And someone wrote an article, Tommy Karn, who's who big Patriots right over here, wrote an article about it's OK to compare him to Brady. Not now, Brady, but like 01 Brady and 02 Brady, because that's what Brady his first year had like 18 TDs and 14 interceptions. Like it was just don't screw it up 
and make smart plays when you have to. Use your elite defense, which I believe they have. Use their elite running game, which I believe they also have. And take advantage of a great offensive line in front of you and just give what take what they give you, right? Don't try to be a hero. Don't try to throw, you know, rifle a ball into quadruple coverage. Like, don't do that. Just take what they give you and live to live to see another down. And he seems like he can he can do that. And that's something for me, you know, the Brady comparisons are scary because it's like, all right, it's Tom Brady. Like, stop it, right? But the offense looks like Brady's offense when he runs it. It just looks smooth like that where it's, you know, three steps and it's out. Like, he's not what what's going here, what's going there, making bad throws. Like, it just it's looked really good. So the mental side of it, which I didn't think – I personally, I was like, all right, Cam's going to start and Mac will start next year because the mental side of it, takes longer, right? I thought Fields and Lance could start because the ability to extend the pocket and extend plays can get you out of some of those things where you don't necessarily read the defense well, but you scrambling gives you time and now guys get open and you can hit them, right? Max got to be in the pocket. So like he has to know what he's looking at right away. If he runs a play action face, he turn around and see the, see the defense immediately and make the right read. And he's shown the ability to do that already. Now, He's a two, Brian Flores has two weeks to game plan against him. It's not going to be easy, right? He's going to make some. He's going to make mistakes as we go through, and and it's not going to be you know, he's not going to he's he's not going to throw for five thousand yards and a bunch of touchdowns, or whatever. But you know, if he can manage the games, if he can not lose the games, and then kind of make big plays at big moments, I, I expect this team to win 10, 11 games. Um, you know, with him at quarterback. So we'll see. But that's that's the hope at least. Okay. Well, Kev, you got you got anything for Pat? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Dolphins obviously get Mac week one first start. The Dolphins are going to throw all that amoeba defense at him. Yep. Xavier Howard's going to be out there trying to set the record for most interceptions <laughs> in a game. Something, but the Dolphins don't play the Patriots again until week eighteen. Yeah. So that's going to be a completely different quarterback, and it'll be interesting to see that. Um, two things. One. How soon after Sunday do the Dolphins get to re-sign Malcolm Perry? Because I'm sure you guys are going to cut him as soon as the Dolphins game is over and we can bring him back down to Miami. And then two, um, how have – so the Dolphins had two receivers last year, COVID opt-out, and uh, Albert Wilson came back looking amazing. He was ready to go, ready to fit right back in. He's fast. He's using that speed, and he looks like he's going to be an impact player. How the the Patriots had, I think it was like twenty seven percent, or I don't know, I'm making up numbers now. I think it was eight actually, but had like twenty seven <laughs> players opt out last year. How have they wow. fit back in? Are they ready to immediately contribute? How's that been? Yeah, I mean it's tough, right? High towers look good though. Uh, which is good. Um, yes. and, and Hightower coming in kind of slots. Jawan Bentley looked terrible last year, but he's a good in the preseason because he's not playing Donta Hightower's position. Like, you know, Van Noy, who you're familiar with, who, back on the Patriots, but like Van Noy looked terrible in Hightower's position. Then Hightower came back from an injury and Van Noy went to his spot and people are like, oh, he's pretty good because he's playing the role he's supposed to be playing in. And Bentley looks the same thing. Like he just, when you get guys like that, they slot people back where they should be. Brandon Bolden's the other guy. He's really just a special teams guy. So, um, but those are the kind of the two main guys that were COVID opt outs. Um, there's a few others, but they're not really uh, roster impacts. I would say, right? They're not like huge roster Im- impact guys. So, um, you know, obviously they lost some guys, but you know, 
it kind of is what it is. And some of those guys left in free agency and whatnot too. So um, it is going to be interesting that first week with, you know, and, and I'm glad Will Fuller isn't, isn't healthy because uh, with, <laughs> with, you know, Gilmore being out the first six weeks, it's, it's a challenge. And, you know, the Patriots are going to have to rely on their, um, on their, I think their front seven more than their secondary to kind of get pressure and, and, uh, and at least at the beginning of the season. And then when you get Gilmore back and then you have Gilmore and JC Jackson, then that's a different story. But, um, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough going those first few weeks when, you know, when you, your second corner is like Jalen Mills or something like that. And mm-hmm. don't you dare take Malcolm Perry from me. Okay. Don't you <laughs> dare take Malcolm Perry. I wanted the Patriots to draft Malcolm Perry so bad when he came out. He went to Navy, was a friggin' Heisman finalist. Belichick's like the biggest Navy guy in the world. He plays like quarterback, wide receiver, running back, kick returner, like defense if you need him to. Like, no, he's staying in New England. Okay. No. So, need him back. <laughs> need him back. I just want I that guy. Malcolm Perry. <laughs> so he's so good. And then we picked up Ben Mason too, which, like, I mean, I was saying it's like complete fan service to pick up, you know, Malcolm Perry, a Navy guy, and then Ben Mason, a fullback from the New England area, like that everyone loves. So, uh, so that was pretty exciting last week. That was the exciting news after after the Cam Newton release. <laughs> well, one last uh, one last question from me on on the Patriots. Uh, I, I, there's one guy I tell Bills fans not to sleep on, and I say this frequently. Yeah. Well, your defensive side of the ball, you, you guys picked up a free agent this offseason, who is, in my opinion one of the guys that should have been in Buffalo as a, as a pass rusher. I think Matthew Judon is one of the best, like he was one of the best free agent acquisitions for your team. It was an underrated signing. Yep. Um, I, I don't know why it's underrated because if you watch the kid play at all in his career, you would know like this, this is for real. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel the defense improved with um, the guys coming back? And then, like I said, now you have the addition of Matthew, uh, Matt Judon, he's like, he's a beast, man. Oh, he's so good. And he's like, and he was like the fourth or fifth highest paid end in free agency this year. Like he wasn't even, he got like 14 million a year and there were like three or four guys that got more than him, which was crazy. You see him, you know, get after the passer, which is impressive. And his, his like repertoire of moves and stuff, but it's his stuff against the run game that it was just so unexpected to see him be so good against the run was really kind of unexpected and and is awesome. And to see him and Josh Uche on the other side, who like is one of the fastest pass rushers in the league, to have the two of them on either side just getting after the quarterback. Like, you know, we're saying around here, the Patriots have always kind of had a sit back and wait defense. They've never really attacked. They kind of wait and then they'll attack like at the right moment. I think this year they're gonna they're gonna be coming after teams. They're not gonna be sitting back waiting on teams. They're gonna be coming after teams, trying to you know get in the backfield and disrupt things and and uh, you know throwing blitzes and everything else. When when they did um, they were against the Giants in in uh, inter squad you know whatever joint practices or whatever. When they were doing eleven on eleven, almost every single play out of eleven on eleven, they either had one or two down linemen on every single play. And then everyone else, you talk about the immediate defense, everyone else was standing up. And it was all guys that were, you know, Hightower and Judon and Uche and Bentley and all these guys that like can get after the passer and cover and cover, but also can stop the run, right? And so like it it just gives them such flexibility. And then, you know, Godshaw, who, you know, Kevin is familiar with down in Miami. So like we're stealing, you know, and then we got Henry Anderson from from Thomas over there. So we were stealing people from from uh, from everywhere, left and right. You know what I mean? And and I think the defense is is 
really good. And that front seven is going to be scary, uh, in my opinion. And so I am so – Judon looks so – oh, my God, dude. I don't know if it's a single <laughs> digit or what, but, man, he looks so good it out looks, there. The single digits look sweet on the player, on the defensive yeah. end. I, I, yeah, and, and the wide receivers too. Like uh, yeah. Emmanuel Sanders in Buffalo, has he's wearing one, and I just think yeah. that looks so – it's cool. Nikhil's got number one, but I don't know if that's going to help him out at all. We'll see. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I don't think it's going to help Nikhil that much. I don't but think so we'll either, but you never know. <laughs> we'll see. So let's let's switch one more time to the uh, the south of the AFC East, and uh, we're going to go down to South Beach there in Miami and and talk to our guy Kevin here. Uh, hey, the, the the question that needs to be answered. Has Tua taken that step forward? Is he is he really healthy now? Is it is he really ready to show off that he's pro ready? It like what are we going to get now that Tua? You know he's the guy. He's the guy. He don't have fits uh, breathing over his shoulder anymore. You know what what are we going to get this season? I think that was a big part of it was the health and Fitzpatrick. He he has looked a lot more confident. He's looked a lot more in control of the team. He has been out there during camp during even the preseason games where, Hey, this lineman missed a block or this lineman wasn't in the right spot. And he's been up there being the guy, Hey, this is where I need you to be. This is what I'm going to do in this situation. So he's absolutely been that general on the offense. Um, yeah, I think, I think he was, I think he absolutely was looking over his shoulder, especially once you started to see those, uh, those times where Fitzpatrick went back in after Tua was pulled at the end of the game. So I think there was some confidence shaken there. And then, yeah, I think no matter what, it, you say you're 100% after a major injury. The doctors say you're cleared. The coaches all see you as 100%. But there's always that mental piece. And his body was probably 100%, but I don't think he trusted his hip. And it, it it showed at times last year. This year, he seems completely comfortable with himself, and I think that he is going to take that step forward. I don't think it's going to be a Josh Allen year two to year three jump, but it's definitely going to be that standard jump you see from second-year quarterbacks. He's going to be more confident in himself. He's going to trust what he's seen. He's going to play instinctual instead of thinking, and he's going to – have have better connections with the wide receivers. Devontae Parker, obviously, uh, they 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 bring in Jalen Waddle from Alabama, so he already has that connection. So you're going to see a little bit better from him. I think that um, he's going to trust Mike Gesicki. I think that's going to be a big, big connection for him this year. So I think that's where you're going to see the biggest jump is uh, Tua to Gesicki. Okay, and I, I apologize for uh, Gasicki. I said his name wrong earlier. Then I've, I've been saying Gasicki this entire time, so I, <laughs> I apologize to that guy. Yeah, it, it goes every which way: Gasicki, Gasicki, Jasicki. So, yeah, <laughs> one of them. I have actually, I have a question for uh, for you, Kevin, in the comments here. Um, Jeffrey wants to know: Is Miami trying to use Jalen Phillips as a stand-up linebacker? Didn't he play hand and dirt in college? Um, both they, they, they have used him as a hand in the dirt, but they are trying to stand him up more in linebacker. He did play both in college, but yeah, he definitely was more of a hand in the dirt defensive end. Um, I think that's just a nature of the dolphins have like Christian Wilkins, who was a stud defensive tackle at Clemson is now a defensive end for the dolphins. So they have gone a little bit bigger, a little bit more edge setting with their defensive ends in a three, four front, and then using the four linebackers to create the pressure. So I think that's part of it. They are asking him to do some um, 
linebacker coverage on tight ends and things like that. And he's doing okay. He's making rookie mistakes because hey, he's a rookie. But yeah, I think that they are definitely trying to turn him more into a linebacker than a true defensive end hand in the dirt, rushing the quarterback. Okay. Okay. Thomas, you got anything for Kev? Uh, who do you figure is the main focal point in this offense? I know we saw like Gaskin kind of came on a little bit late. Will Fuller is there now, but he's suspended for week one and his injury history kind of sketchy to rely on him. Is it just primarily like Waddle and Parker or are you guys try- like who's, who's the figurehead number one that the offense is going to revolve around? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it's probably Parker, but you do have a injury history there. Um, You have Waddle, who he has the ankle that every now and then there's questions about it, whether it's fully healed. I think that there was a lot of talk in training camp as he was walking around that he's limping, but he's out there running full speed. Then they went back and looked at video of him pre-injury at Alabama, and it just looks like he has a different gait than everybody else. And it does look a little bit like a limp. Um, so I think he's, I think he's a hundred percent. Like I said, I think Gasicki is going to have a big year. Um, the running backs, I think it's going to be who's hot. I think they start with miles Gaskin, but yeah, I think you're going to see Malcolm Brown. You're going to see um, Salvin Ahmed. So you're going to see those guys. I think it is a lot of who's hot and who does Tua trust. I would say Parker, simply because he's the most established of them. But yeah, I think once you get Will Fuller back, I think it, it, it becomes a, Hey, we're going to spread it out and we're going to see it go to everybody. I think it makes sense. Uh, so I have two questions for you. First one is about the draft. Uh, you know, obviously a great trade I thought with San Francisco to get the ridiculous value to move from three to 12. Um, I was confused with the trade back up to six. So my assumption is that, you know, they looked at it and said, we want to stay in that top six, seven range, and we want a first-round pick for it. And then San Fran said, well, we'll give you two to move back to 12. And they said, well, fine, but we want to make sure we can move back up to six. So um, I wanted to – I just thought that was – to me, and it's just me personally, but, like, I don't like trading a future first for anything other than, like, a quarterback. And, and to do it for a wide receiver, I feel like, is a mistake, especially when you could have – traded a third, which is what Philadelphia did to move up to take Devonta Smith, the other Alabama wide receiver. So go you know, you don't know how the draft's gonna play out. But I, I just right. I was I was, you know, confused by that. I was curious about your thoughts about that. And then on the other side of the ball, you got X obviously, right? And you know, you talked a little bit about about what the defense can look like and, and your struggles covering um, you know, covering the tight end, but like what do you look at? What are you expecting out of the Dolphins defense this year? And who's going to be obviously Howard, your best player, but like outside of Howard, who's going to be that kind of guy that people are going to look at this year and be like, Oh my God, like where'd he come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. So on the trade, I think that the, the key part of that is in Miami's eyes, it was never two trades. They always were moving from three to six. Yeah. Um, they knew. And, and there was a lot of, uh, Uh, media reports about this afterwards, about how it all came together. Um, They called Philadelphia to say, Hey, if we move back to 12, will you come up to six or will you let us come up to six? Right. And they would not have done the trade back with San Francisco. If they could not have had that other piece. 
So it was always the plan to get to six. Um, I think it was simply they wanted their shot at the receiver they wanted. And we all assumed it was either Kyle Pitts, which if they were at three, I think they would have taken Kyle Pitts. But we all assumed it was um, Chase or Kyle Pitts. And I don't think it was looking back at it after everything that has come out and how even like, I think it was the Jaguars had Waddle listed as a perfect prospect next to uh, Trevor. So I think you, uh, you, I think that was their plan. I think that they absolutely were going to get to six because we don't need a quarterback and we want a wide receiver. And so yeah. I think that's what it was. I think it made sense. I think that, yeah, when you look at it and you look at it in the pieces and you gave up that first to get up there, it, it becomes expensive. But yeah, I think that their whole plan was we want to add a future first and we want to get back to that six or seven range. So yeah. I think they, they hit their goal there. And then um, now I lost my second question. Wow. De- just defensively. I was just curious. Oh, yeah, about, yeah. You know, yeah. Other than, I, other than Howard, who's obviously a stud. I, I started talking waddle and went down that path. Um, So no, on defense, I think you're going to see Andrew Van Ginkle. I think he is a name people don't yet know, but that guy, every time he's on the field, he seems to make a play, whether it's rushing the quarterback, forcing a fumble, something. I think he's a guy that he, he's not a name, you know, but I think he's going to shine. That said, I think Jerome Baker as Mm-hmm. he's listed technically. So the dolphins in their depth chart, they listed a nickel as their base. So they only went with three linebackers, but he's, he is an inside linebacker in a three, four set. I think you're going to see him blitz too, though. Um, I, I think he, ha- he can be really solid. Um, and then I think that we'll see how McCordy and Rowe work as the starting safeties to lock down that back end, but yeah, I think it's going to be X, obviously. And then I think Andrew Van Ginkle has an opportunity to become a star as he just simply uses his speed to just blow up plays. All right. I like that. Uh, Kevin, uh, one of the Buffalo Bills beat reporters, Mookie Hawkins, is in the comments, and he has a question for you as well. He wants to know, uh, when will we know if Tua is a boom status or bust status? Um, I, I feel like personally, before you jump in there, I feel like personally, too soon um you know with the injury and everything but but he's asking i guess a very direct question so when is it this season if he doesn't perform up to par or or do we have some more time um if we use the ryan Tannehill model it's somewhere around year seven (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no i think i i think you i think you'll know something at the end of this year unless unless injuries and covid just blow it all up um i think you'll know at least do the dolphins need to be looking? Um, I don't think they do. I think we're going to find that he is ready to go and that he is the quarterback that everybody thought was going to be number one overall until the hip injury. Um, I I think that you're going to see him grow still. And I, like, like I said, I don't see him at the Josh Allen level, but there's no reason to think that he's not going to eventually get up to that. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I think that you'll know something by the end of the year, but I do think it's too soon. And and we've gone into this world where as soon as a quarterback is selected, we need to know right now, is he a star? And we forget that Patrick Mahomes sat, Tom Brady sat, um, 
uh, Aaron Rodgers sat. So you can take some time to grow as a quarterback. I think that you're going to see him grow throughout the year. And if by the end of the year, he just hasn't caught on, maybe they are looking at a quarterback next year, but I think they have positioned him to do well this year. So yeah, I think that you're probably playing out this year and doing a realistic assessment of is he, is he bad enough to have to warrant moving up to go get a quarterback again? I don't see it happening. And even if they are, underperforming a little bit this year, I probably stick with him for at least a third year because I mean, if the bills hadn't held on to Josh Allen for three years, where would they be right now? Well, and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say because Josh Allen looked dreadful his first year, like dreadful. And then his second year, you know, 20, 20 TDs and nine interceptions, but he had a completion percentage under 59%. Like he didn't look great and then got him to the playoffs and made some absolutely boneheaded decisions in the playoffs that that probably cost them that playoff game but they came back with them they kind of reloaded they brought in brian dable they brought in stefan diggs and all of a sudden he made that leap and we saw flashes of it it's not like you know he looked like a like a you know a guy that's gonna be out of the league in two years we saw flashes but we didn't see him put it all together until last year so i think as long as you see those flashes from Tua this year, even if he doesn't put it all together this year, as long as you see some stuff with him, he's going to grow with the guys that he has in the building, you know, in Fuller and in and in Waddle, and you know, and even even Gusecki, if that's the case. But um, you know, I, I think as long as you see some improvement from him this year and some of those flashes that that he's not he's not at that bust level just yet. Yeah. Now he plays another year and he looks kind of the same and he's still not improving. Now you're getting into that Donald territory with the Jets where, where it's like, well, what do we do here? Like we kind of have to move on instead of signing to the big deal, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, but I would say at least, at least two more years or two. And I think that, I think that, uh, I think that you also run the risk of, I, I like Josh Rosen. I thought he was a good prospect coming out and the Cardinals were so quick to give up on him yep. and send him to Miami. And then the Dolphins gave up on him and he just, you know, that kid has no confidence at all anymore. And right. you, you run the risk of he could be really good, but if you give up on him too early, it could just be a confidence issue. So I think that that's, that's the other issue is if you start to see the Dolphins looking at Brissett and going, hey, we're going to bring him in this year and we're going to do the closer role again, I think you do start to shake Tua's confidence, even though everybody will tell you that he's he's got a strong sho- head on his shoulders and it doesn't really bother him. Of course it does, because if everybody was coming up to you and pulling you out for the last minute of whatever job you're doing, yeah, it's still going to shake your confidence. So, yeah, I think that's great point and valid. And yeah, I think that this year you're going to have, like I said, you're going to have a idea of what he is. It may not be the final answer, but yeah, I'd go at least probably through next year. I'm uh, obviously now it's time to, to have a quick run on the bills, but you, you said something there, Kevin, that I, I'm really, and I'm not being funny when I ask this, you really confident enough that you think two is going to be anywhere near as good as Josh Allen. Uh, I think he can get there. I don't think that it's this year. I don't think it's, something that he's going to be um he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes head and shoulders above everybody else but I don't know that Josh Allen doesn't regress a little bit too because 
that is a huge jump to go from year two to year three. That's a jump that we've never seen before in the NFL. When you do, when you add it all together, that's never been done before. So I do think Josh Allen comes back a little bit. He's probably not as good as we saw, but that doesn't mean that in two years, he can't be back up there. He can still grow. He's still young enough to keep growing. So I do think that Tua can get up to that kind of level. It might not be that dramatic a jump, but it might be a couple years more of growth. Okay, we'll see. I'll be looking forward to it because, like I said, I, I don't dislike Tua, and I'm I'm like I'm not the guy. I'm not the content creator that's gonna like just bash other players. So I I, I do I would like to see him succeed. I just and don't when see you it. when you look at this AFC East and the history of it. I mean, the best years are. Dan Marino, uh, Jim Kelly, Drew Bledsoe. Um, I'm trying to come up with a Jets quarterback, and I don't think you had one. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. Ken O'Brien, because um, they know something we don't know. Hey, Chad Pennington in his oh, almost MVP year in man. Miami. I love Chad Pennington so much. <laughs> Chad has time in New York, man. But but nah, for the record, I, I do want to I do want to just interject though, because I, I understand what everybody's point is because I hear it every week that um you know it's probably gonna be that Josh will regress. I can promise you, Josh is not he's not worse than he was last year. Like I can promise you, I, what you're gonna I, see I, from Josh this year is gonna be another step. It's not gonna be like he's not gonna be completing eighty percent because I see Thomas lapping. I don't mean it like that. Like he's not gonna be he's not gonna be the most accurate passer in the, in the world ever. Like that's not what I'm saying. He's gotten smarter. He's going to take less hits. He's going to take what the what the other team gives him. And he's corrected some things that, you know, it, we're going to see a huge improvement out of. So the numbers that the Bills put up on offense last year, I can promise you that the switch between John Brown and Emmanuel Sanders is going to improve those numbers as well. The running game is not going to be the same. We finally have our healthy. I mean, obviously, we need the, the offensive line to stay healthy. But we finally have a line to put in front of our running backs. Devin Singletary's rookie year, we saw a completely different type of runner and a completely different guy than we saw last year. A running game to help Josh Allen is only going to help him improve. It's not going to. So what I'm saying is the Bills did everything to continue to provide all the support Josh Allen needs. The team did not get worse in any area, especially on offense. I don't think that regressing means you got worse. I think it just means that. I mean, it, is Xavier Howard going to get ten interceptions this year? Probably not. But does that mean he's a worse player? So you're just you're Probably just not. strictly from a from a statistical standpoint, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get worse as a player, but I just don't think that those stats are every year what he's going to put up. Just like I don't think Xavier Howard's going to get ten interceptions, but I still think he is a cornerback that any team would want to have. Right. Yeah, it's the, it's the argument I have about Trey White. There's a lot of so like last season, Trey White, statistically, people would say he regressed. But I still feel like he had a heck of a year. Like there's probably 35 other teams in the NFL right now that would do whatever it took to get Trey White on their roster. Right. Man, so 95, 95 out of the top 100. What a joke. What a <laughs> yeah, joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Crazy. Yeah. Just disrespect to my guy, Trey. Like, he, you know, granted, he, he didn't he wasn't the top three last year but come on right. 95 i mean that's foolish 
Just come on. And and this is this is the AFC East guy saying this about 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 Trey. Come on, NFL <laughs> right. player. I got to right. do better. Put some respect on my yeah. dude Trey White's name. Uh, but hit me with some. Hit me with a couple questions. Right, so I know we, we, you know, we got about maybe 10, 10 minutes. 10, Spence, minutes here's, my, here's my question for you. You talked about glowingly, of course, about the Bills. What's what's the biggest weakness in your team? Like if, if you guys falter before the AFC championship game this year or you don't, you know, do as well as you think, why? obviously outside of injuries, right? What, what's the, what's the biggest, what's the biggest question mark or the biggest uh, weakness on the, on the bills right now? So for me, in my, from my perspective, I feel like um, we drafted some, some good defensive help, but the thing is they are still rookies. And last year we weren't really that strong against the run. Uh, obviously star Latula opted out. He's back this year, but he looks like a different star. He's not as, you know, he's not as Husky. He's more muscular. So I don't know if that's going to be the same style of play where he's able to clog up two defenders and help other players free up. I don't know. But what I will say is last year, there was a game where um, Frank Gore averaged like over five yards of carry on us. And that just should not ever, no disrespect to Frank Gore. He's a legend. He's a goat. Like, you know, he's going to the hall of fame. There's at no point for any reason should Frank Gore average over five yards of carry uh, for the half on the team. Like that just shouldn't happen. Right. Um, so if I'm a, if I'm gonna say it's anything, I'm gonna say it's it's being able to stop the run game because if you get in a situation where and, and I'm gonna take it back now when the Bills were in the Super Bowl against the Giants and the K Gun offense was just like destroying every single team in the league, then you get to a point where hey, the Giants decided, look, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep Kelly off his field. We're gonna control the clock. So they're running the ball and they're doing what they have to do to keep Kelly and the K-Gun offense off the field. If you can find a way where Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Beasley and all these guys aren't getting the ball and aren't able to really put up these high points and you're trying to keep games close and got and other teams can run the ball. To me, that would be the reason why we aren't as successful. Um, but I'm hoping I, I, I love what I see from Groot, um, from Greg Rousseau. He looks he looks phenomenal. He's quick. He, his his long arms allows him to really stifle whatever defender. Like as soon as he gets up, it's like he's already into the guy's chest, and it's it's really fun to watch. I think um, Basham has a little bit more to kind of develop, but he's gonna he's gonna make a he's gonna make a some type of impact this year. So I'm excited. But for me, it's the running game. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned the Giants Super Bowl. It's uh, if only we can get a coach from that Super Bowl say. <laughs> To you know, maybe take down the the bills that would be helpful. I would think. I just I, well, look. You guys were great for you guys were great for what 16, 17 years out there. Fifteen uh, years. Twenty. Twenty. Thank you. You weren't great for twenty. You didn't win twenty Super Bowls. Wow. Well, was mean, okay yeah. when he first came in. He was okay. He was better than Bledsoe, and y'all had a reason. He wasn't right. great the whole time. Come on. That's true. That's true. That is true. <laughs> um, Tom, what you got for me from the Jets? Uh, you kind of, you know, hinted at what I was going to ask you about before with Josh Allen just kind of playing more smart instead of, uh, do, do you see him being, because he was a catalyst at the goal line a lot last year. I don't know if that was in part due to the bad offensive line and the running game not really getting their footing in. Uh, do you think that he isn't utilized more at the goal line and in those short yardage situations, do you think they find different ways to get that yardage? to be honest, I think that part of the game is Josh Allen's game. Like, I think mm. um, once you get down within the five, like once you get past the five yard line, he becomes your top weapon because a, he's so big. He's so strong. He's so fat. Like he's deceptively fat. We know he's fast, but he doesn't look like he's as fast as he is. And the thing is um, these, these zone, these option plays that they've 
that Brian Dayball is a freaking wizard, man. And the way he draws these plays up, it's almost like when you get down there within that five-yard line, you know we're going to score. Like last year, there was honestly, there weren't many times that we got down within that that close to the, the end zone where I was like, oh, man, we really, you know, I wasn't nervous because Brian Dayball just knows how to utilize them. I do think it may reduce a little bit only because – um, I think they're going to try to get our fullback a little more involved in on the goal line. And as well, I think Zach Moss is going to do some things. I think he's going to improve this year as far as that, you know, he, he struggled. But again, it was the the run, the running offensive line. I, we, we just didn't do well in, in the run game. So I, I, hopefully with this this healthy line, I, maybe we're going to see less hits on Josh Allen because I want him to be healthy as long as possible. He's an expensive dude to have now. Yeah, I was a. Uh... I always wanted Zach Moss and Devin Singletary when they came out on the Jets. That's who I wanted the Jets to try to target the running back. I was just uh, curious if you were concerned about Josh Allen's longevity with they just keep throwing him at the goal line because he got a concussion, I think, at, towards the end of uh, last season, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. if that could be a problem going forward, especially at the quarterback spot. No, absolutely. Um, and and then, you know, talking to Pat earlier, you don't want um, – a lot of comparisons were made to – to Cam Newton, like early on in his career and coming out of college, it's like, oh, this guy's built like Cam. He has a strong arm like Cam. He can run through everything like Superman did, like Cam. And now you look at Cam and the injuries, the beatings to his body start to catch up. And it doesn't mean that Cam isn't Cam. Like Cam is a great guy. We love Cam. He did whatever he did, but eventually it breaks down. So I would love to see Josh Allen be healthy for the entirety of his career in Buffalo. You know, like, right. You're learning how to throw the ball. You're learning how to hit that deep ball consistently with digs. And you have the chemistry now with Gabriel Davis in the second year who looks like he's going to be solid. Throw the ball. Get the ball out there. Beasley is always open. You know, get the ball out. You know, so, yeah, I'm with you, man. I I don't want to see him hit. (laughs) Those concussions, the shoulder injuries that he had. Like, so last year we lost against Kansas City that first game we played him. I'm not saying that we would have beat him, you know, but what I'm saying is it wasn't the Josh Allen we saw the rest of the year. I want Josh to be healthy when we're going against these top teams. And now, you know, for the first time, Pat is used to this. And um, in the past, I'm sure Kevin had had years like this, too. Five, six primetime games. I want to see Josh play big in all of those games. Injuries are not going to help that. What you got for me, Kev? No, I uh, I, they pretty much covered what I was thinking. I just have nightmares of Josh Allen, (laughs) Tyrod Taylor, Dad Lewis, just rushing all over the Dolphins. And just somehow every time the Bills and the Dolphins play, it seems like whatever quarterback you guys trot out there is somehow an MVP candidate. So I was was thinking the same thing on the hitting of uh, Allen and him taking that abuse because you're right. We we saw it break down Cam Newton. We've seen it break down Big Ben. We've seen it. These guys that have the size and therefore can run, we think can take those hits, but it does break them eventually. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The only thing I will say, I agree with your comment too about um, Tyrod, and but I tell you what, Josh Allen is Miami's daddy. I'm gonna just tell you. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> I'm just tell you, he has his way okay. whenever he plays Miami, man, and I, I love As- every bit of it. As long as it's not New England, I can I can live with it for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm looking forward to the season, man. I appreciate you guys coming on. Real quick before we get out of here, why don't we go around the table again one more time and just give our prediction on who we think, A, will win the division, and then, B, give the prediction for, uh, a, you know, the, how your te- you think your team is going to perform for the season. So we'll start with Christopher, follow with Pat, then hit Kevin, and then we're out of here. Uh, yeah, so uh- – 
you know, it's not going to be the Jets as this, you know, shadows got me going. The Jets are going to be in the basement, I think. Uh, <laughs> and I think that the Bills are going to end up winning the division, unfortunately. Uh, I, and for the Jets themselves, I see them with like a 5-12, and 6-11 record. Okay. All right. That's an improvement, though. You're over here. I mean, yeah. I know it's not what you want. It's not the improvement you want. It's not the it's not uh, sexy. 11 and 5 improvement like Kevin joked about earlier, but it's an improvement. So we'll see what we can do there. What about you, Pat? What you got? So I'm I'm expecting kind of big things from the Patriots this year. I still don't think they have enough to win the division necessarily because I think the Bills are the second best team in, in, in the AFC. But I am expecting the Patriots to win about 10 games, maybe 11 games this year. I think they're going to have, I think you're going to see three teams in the AFC East with double digit wins. And, you know, 10 or 11 games, I don't think get you in the playoffs. So it's going to be a fight to kind of get in those last three playoff spots, um, you know, coming right down to the end of the year. And it's interesting because Patriots play the Dolphins in week 18. And that could be the winner of that game goes to the playoffs as that second wild card and the loser of that game misses the playoffs. And so uh, coming down to the wire, I'm not sure the Patriots always play crap in Miami at the end of the year, which just sucks that they're <laughs> down there. So I'm not confident about winning that game, but, um, but I'm excited to see, kind of see where it goes. If they miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs, but I'm expecting at least, at least 10 and seven. And I'm really hoping for 11 and six, um, you know, 12 and five is pushing it a little bit, but I, I think 11 and six is realistic. And, uh, and that could be enough to squeak into the playoffs at the end. Okay. So, so you think you're going to do it a rookie? I mean, maybe never know. Okay. There's no rule. There's no, no. rule against it. No, no, no it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm more so. I just wanted to direct like, cause, cause at the end of the year, I'm gonna come back and talk. Yeah. To you so I just you know what? Hey, hey, listen, I don't blame you. Listen, this is my thing, right? Outside of Russell Wilson and maybe Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think a rookie quarterback has ever been in as good of a situation as, as Mac Jones is in right now with the offensive weapons that they picked up last year. The, the fact that defense is so good, the offensive line is fantastic in front of them and they have a solid running game. And then you factor in the coaching that's, that's down there. That's up here as well. To me, you just look at it and say, well, like he's in the best position possible to succeed. Now, does that mean he's going to succeed? Nobody knows, of course, but like, but I think he's in a great position to be successful. Roethlisberger went 15 and 0 to start his career and ended up losing the AFC championship game to the Patriots. So like, you know, am I expecting that from him? Absolutely not. But like, he's in a good situation where they can win without him being 2020 Josh Allen. He doesn't have to do that. He just has to be good enough. He has to be 2001 Tom Brady, you know, and they can win 10 or 11 games. And I think he can do that. So, um, you know, they're going to win the Super Bowl. No, but like, you know, but I think I think they're going to they're going to compete this year. So it'll be fun. All right. What you what you got, Kevin, with Miami? What we got? I kind of hate Pat now because, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, No, it's I, I think it's the Bills AFC East unless things go horribly wrong. I think it's the Bills AFC East. Um and that's really weird to say, especially with two years in a row. But uh, I think that you're going to see the Dolphins in that wild card hunt, um, 10, 11, maybe 12 wins, trying to make that push to go over the next step. They they blew it all up. They built into a winning team. Now they have to build into a playoff team. So I think that they're on the right track. Um, and yeah, Pat, that, that, Week 18 game, which sounds weird to say, and you guys giving records that add up to 17 games doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. But uh, um, I think that week 18 game could absolutely be 
a playoff make or break game. Um, and then just one other thing that Richard Rush is over here in the comments talking about wings, and now I'm hungry. I've been eating wings all week now. Obviously, I got back to Buffalo, and that was like, is that like we actually we picked up some Lenovas and what, what is that over there? Just pizza, yeah, just pizza and Lenovo. I know you aren't familiar with these places, but we got to get you guys maybe one time up for AFC yeah. showdown. You know, do fun. something fun, get you out here, show you around, get you some real wings because Buffalo. Even though Josh just did this promotion or this uh, endorsement with Buffalo Wild Wings. They're not. They're not really with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gotta, yeah. They gotta. They gotta figure it out before Buffalo claims them. Because we had the we had the Wing Fest uh, Sunday here in Buffalo, and I tell you, man, it was at the stadium, and it was packed, bro. Like it was packed. Nobody was at the Buffalo Wild Wing tent. Yeah. Like, so that's. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's just how it is. So um, I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills this year. I'm, I'm thinking that it's gonna look similar to last year. I don't think it's gonna be like a huge jump or or, or great decrease. I'm going 13 and four. Um, I do I agree with you. I think they're going to win a division. I, I think it's going to be the same order as last year. Uh, sorry, Pat, but I, I think Miami's going to get that second spot. So if it's going to be a wild card coming out to AFC East, it's going to be Miami. And I just think um, the Patriots and it's nothing again. I, I really do like what I've seen from Mac. And I love your defense. Like I, every year, though, Bill Belichick yeah. puts a defense on the field that just makes you yeah. jealous. And right. uh, so I, I look forward to watching your defense. But I just don't think that. um in the moments where Mac Jones will need to absolutely come through. I'm not sure if he's ready yet for those moments. So, you know, but it's going to be a fun yeah. year. I'm looking forward to it guys. I think, uh, I think just to throw another thought that I just had out, um, cause Pat kind of brought it up with the week 18 in Miami, the schedule makers kind of did the dolphins a favor this year. Cause yeah, get, yeah. get the bills uh, out of the way early or I'm sorry. It's Halloween. It's Halloween in, uh, Buffalo, so shouldn't be too snowy yet. Nope. Um, it's Thanksgiving time for the Jets, so there'll be probably some snow and cold. And then, yeah, the Patriots is week one, so the Dolphins get a little bit of a, a break from the horrible cold weather this year, which, hey, I can't complain about. Yeah. yeah well, you know what? And recently, though, people complain about the weather in Buffalo, but the last few years, with the exception of the game where we played against the Colts and Shady had like that Runoff oh, yeah. touchdown. Couldn't even see what was going on. Man, was and I was at that game. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was at, it was the worst time of my life. Seriously. Uh, but Those are the best games, know, though, man. No, the Reggie. The most fun. There's nothing. The, there's, the Reggie Bush game about, up there. I can't see this. Like, seriously, it right. was that much. That one was like, crazy. Really, you couldn't. It was the worst time. My car got stuck in the doggone parking lot. <laughs> I couldn't even get out the dip. No, as a matter of fact, the, the tow truck got stuck trying to come and get me. That's how bad it was. Sounds about oh, right. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Trash, trash. But And you guys are up in Buffalo. So, like, for it to be that bad, right. you know, yeah. it's not right. like it's not like you're down in, like, North Carolina and it's snowing and the tow trucks are getting stuck. You know what I mean? A lot of Bills fans love it. But I'll tell you what, since that, though, it hasn't been bad. I don't know if you've, like, paid attention. Drew Bledsoe actually did an interview not too long ago, and he was like, yeah, look at Josh Allen's record from last year. And he's like, come on, you're getting, like, the 70s in late October, early November. <laughs> when I was in Buffalo, it was a snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's a little different. But, but yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. Thomas, I hope you feel better, man. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I, I know under the circumstances, this was not the, the best thing for you to sit up for a full hour and, and kick it with me and talking about the Buffalo Bills going to beat down on the Jersey Jets. So I appreciate you, man. <laughs> it, was, it was worth the, uh, the few laughs, man. So I appreciate this. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, Thomas, let everybody know where they can find you and your content. And uh, then we'll move on down to Pat. 
you can find me on Twitter at ThomasCP underscore NFL. I'm actually going to be speaking with Jets left tackle Mekhi Becton tomorrow, and that's going to be on Gang Green Nation uh, coming up. And uh, that's it for me. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. So I'm uh, as well. If you know, if if you listen podcast form, it's uh, it's at P Lane underscore Pats. Uh, I'm on Pats Pulpit. I have a thing out every uh, every uh, every week after the game, and we'll be live Thursday uh, Thursday at seven with uh, Jerry Thornton break, breaking down the um, breaking down the beginning of the season. So uh, should be fun. And Mr. Kevin with the Finsider. Did anybody else not read? his Twitter handle as plain underscore Pats, not P lane <laughs> underscore Pats. This whole time I've read it as plain. Yeah. That's what happens. Everyone's like plain. Why would you put plain? And I'm like, well, my name is Pat lane. And like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. And I'm oh. like, yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely read that as plain this whole time. Yeah. Um, so it's the Finsider and at the Finsider Finsider is with a PH. So insider with a PH to start it. If you are not reading the screen, but yeah, the Finsider um, written and then you can interact with me. I have at Kevin Nogle also, but I'm primarily tweeting at the Finsider. Yeah. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, y'all know how I do it here. It's the code of conduct with the King podcast representing that Buffalo rumblings podcast network. Please join me Saturday night. I have a very new and exciting show coming. Um, uh, it's called The Chop Up. We got Kristen from the B- Mafia Babes. We got Angelina joining me, and we got uh, Sterling from Cover One. So it's going to be an all-season thing. It's going to be a cross-network event. We're going to be breaking down film. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. It's going to be fun. So please join me there. And then again, tomorrow, Wednesday night, Joe Miller and myself, we're going to be live, live in Orchard Park across the street from the stadium at O'Neill's for the Hump Day Hotline. Come kick it with us. It's a huge week in Buffalo. Y'all know how it's going to be. And, hey, love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative, go build. Code of conduct.